Greetings, Beach Boys fans, and welcome to Surf's Up, the Beach Boys podcast safari. My name's Mark Dillon, author of 50 Sides of the Beach Boys, and I'm joined by my partner, Phil Migliorati, who runs the Pray for Surf blog. This episode is part two of our discussion with Tom Smucker, talking about his wonderful new book, Why the Beach Boys Matter. Enjoy. I think Why the Beach Boys Matter, your book, I think you're stating a case that this is a group that belongs in the top tier of rock, pop, whatever the right word is, um, musical groups, um, you know, certainly for our generation of all time. And yeah. that doesn't mean that others will agree, but I think they belong in that conversation. It's not yes. just summer and surf, it's studio as well, as you point out. Yes. Uh, there's just yes. so many things that if you forget the themes of their songs, or certainly their early ones that made them famous, uh, they could have been singing about something else. It matters that the Beach Boys matter in both of those tiers of fans, but yeah. also critics and people who yeah. uh, are looking at a historical analysis. Yeah. Yeah. I, but yeah. I guess, uh, I mean, you know, we always sort of fall back on, well, hey, they did Pet Sounds, they did Smile. But I mean, yeah. you know, then there's the case that the sun and surf stuff matters too. And, and oh, mean, yeah. We could, uh, we, if we could bring up Robert Criscow again, uh, yes. you know, your, your book enlightened me on something that I never understood until now. And that was um, when the Surf's Up album came out in 1971 and Criscow gave it a kind of a middling review in the Village Voice. Yes. He said, right. and I quote, I'll trade you my copy for Surf yes. Safari even up and you'll be sorry. And I, I, yeah. I thought, you know, he was he was just making the case that, I mean, he he always thought that, you know, there was some great surf music and that, you know, yes. it, it's pretentious to denigrate that in terms of the yes. new album that's very spiritual and, 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 yes, and yes. experimental and, and, and psychedelic yes. and all that. Um, yeah. But I didn't realize that the reason why he was making that comparison in particular was because there was an ad running in the Village Voice and other oh, yes. publications where yes. you could send in your copy of Surf and Safari plus yes. a dollar and they would send yeah. you a copy of Surf's Up. But that really denigrates the value of Surf and Safari. Yes. And I could see yes. why a critic like Robert Criscow would get his back up about that. Yes. Well, and there, and there, and in that, um, in that moment in time, that was, uh, that was a very clever advertising campaign because um, that that was the issue the Beach Boys were dealing with. That that um, uh, rock groups were expected to be a, a certain way, and it was assumed they were not that way. And and yet, you know, those of us that loved them thought, no, these guys are as interesting as any group, and they're putting out a lot of interesting music, but they both had trouble presenting themselves, I think, as I remember that era. Um, and um, and then the and Capitol Records was doing a bad job. So when they switched to Warner Brothers, that was that was part of the campaign of kind of jolting people with an ad, making that point. So I, as a fan, I thought the ad was great, even though I didn't agree with it. You know, it was kind of like saying, no, just remember, they're putting out current music that's as interesting as anybody's music. I, uh, I saw, I was living here in the East Village when they, um, when they played with the Grateful Dead at the Fillmore East. And, right. um, so, so the, and, and Bob was not at the Village Voice at that point. 
But whoever was, and I don't remember who it was, said, well, that was the evening the, Vil- the Fillmore East sold out. You know, like that. Wow. Oh, my God. They had the Beach Boys. That ruined everything for us. And they jammed with the Grateful Dead. There's a very bad bootleg of it. But as I remember, yes, the show it. was great. It was yes. a great show. Uh, so that all of that was going on at that point. And, uh, and uh, Chris Gow was right to... to to make a dig at the ad because it was baloney, but um, in another way, I was happy to see it. You know, as a as a long suffering Beach Boys fan. <laughs> and, and three Tom, years later, everybody was listening to Surfing Safari and Surfing USA again. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I pulled a quote from your book, Tom, that maybe at least for me explains some of the the difficulty the difficulty meaning that marketing defines the meaning of their music. Uh, uh-huh. And it, it's this, simply this, in the end, Beach Boys music moves toward hope. And yes. I wonder if some of that, um, I don't, I've never heard anybody say that that way. I, I just wonder if marketing is such that it says, no, 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 we got to, you know, it's surfboards. And then later on, no, no, it's not the surfboards. It's yes. uh, protest or, you know, yes. riot and cell block kind of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. But but that doesn't change. It moves towards hope. And you have another yeah. quote that you, you give nods to Protestant hymnody in the Beach Boys ah, music. I'm not going to turn yeah. this into Sunday school lesson, but but yeah. w- what are those? Can you put those together and make, tell us what you're trying to tell us? Uh, well, you know, full disclosure, I'm a, a guy that goes to church every Sunday. Um, so that that affects how I look at everything. Um, uh, and the church I happen to go to has all kinds of different music, but, um, and that affects how I, uh, how I hear things. But I, I think what I was trying to get at there, and I'm, I might not be, I'm correct as far as I could take this. Um, uh, and I think as far as just kind of the pop mythology, uh, in, in the end, it's really, um, it's really uh, matters that that the Beach Boys are still performing uh, both as the Beach Boys, what's left of them, and Brian and his band, and that Brian doesn't die, that he's alive, that he's still producing music, and all of that. So in in the pop context, all of that is important. But but uh, I I would say two things about that. I when I started really listening closely to the vocals and thinking about the harmony and all of that that is that is when i put that piece together that there's a lot of some kind of churchy thing going on here and and uh and in mark's book there's a great um a great chapter one of my favorites with uh carney uh, talking about um uh, is is that the one where he says to her, "Well, I, it was Bach, or is that a different? Am I thinking of a different chapter?" No, that's Bach right. That in, yeah, that's Bach right. that inspired our prayer. At a, at a certain point, it dawned on me. Well, okay, besides all the rock and roll influences, and especially doo-wop, uh, these guys were, you know, Mike and Brian at least were, and and I think. Uh, uh, Maybe Mike's book mentions his sister Maureen, um, who ends up playing a harp. But uh, they're, they're also singing in church. I couldn't. 
I, I have a cousin who's kind of a religious historian who tried to track this down for me. Uh, so I can't say for sure what that music was that they were exposed to, but we're roughly the same age, and I'm assuming uh, it's, you know, uh, 1950s mainstream Protestant uh, hymn singing and choir singing and that kind of stuff. I, who knows? Maybe I'm, I'm not uh, really correct about that, and I'm not an expert on um, uh, church music other than what I've been exposed to in my lifetime. But I do think there's uh, uh, two things going on there. One is just the... Um, at, at times, some of the harmony uh, is... Uh, and, and of course, you know, do a lot of doo-wop comes out of church music as well. Maybe a little more African American influence, but I, I do, I do, I do hear a spiritual uh, expression of uh, grace and uh, you know, love and mercy is there. Um, that particular song actually uh, doesn't have a lot of a lot of. Um, harmony singing, but I, I really do, uh, I do feel that's um, a part of what's going on there, and uh, you don't have to be somebody of my um, religious background or current practice uh, to hear that, because I think that's just something that's out there in our culture, but, but I do think um, uh, when, when you listen to uh, their recording of uh, of uh, the Lord's Prayer, which is pretty pretty early in their career, uh, and then you think about where you hear uh, echoes of that in the rest of their music. There's there's an there's an element that's uh, uh, at least to my ears uh, kind of a you know um, if I can put it this way you know there's crucifixion good friday stuff in their music and then there's a lot of easter you know so there's Ooh, that's very good way to that, say it never thought of that's, that there's that there's a, a, that aspect to it now they rarely um work that out in their music in a way that's very direct but i i really think that's a big piece of their music and i and i i i hope someday to write something i i really think there's something going on there as well with a kind of a uh, uh, can't can't quite uh, come up with the right word, but a, a kind of way of uh, sacralizing, if that's even a word, uh, you know, everyday life um, and uh, some of the stuff that maybe seems over the top or seemed over the top at some point in time, like some of their car songs and. Uh, the early songs, you say, "Gee, why are they why are they making such a big production out of it?" I think I think that's working working that out, um, and you know that that's what I hear there, and I think uh, other people hear that even if they're not responding to it directly, and and maybe that's really what I heard um, uh, long ago on WCFL, you know, that there was something. Yeah striking a chord with me that said, wow, this is going a lot deeper than I understand it to be going. Now, I would say somebody else can hear that um, 
they can hear that with with some other music. It may respond to them, and it, it, it may hit them in another way. Um, so that well, that well, is Tom, my answer to that. Yeah, I, I appreciate your Good Friday Easter thing, and I yeah. won't go long yeah. in this, but you know, there's a couple of tunes that Brian has written and, and sung that really haven't become famous. Uh, uh, one of them is God Did It with uh, Andy Paley and uh, uh-huh. uh, Walking Down the Path of Life. I mean, they are yes. specific. Yes. Uh, you know, I tell people we can use these in church. Uh, you know, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But uh, You Still Believe in Me it could be a song in church where yes. you're speaking to yes. God and not to your girlfriend. Exactly. Yes, um, exactly. It, yes. And right. one more exactly. comment, you know, uh, there's a term that's being used in a lot of mainstream evangelical churches called worship leader instead of like choir director. And and I wonder okay. if, he, I don't know if Brian signed up for it, but, you know, maybe God had him be a, a worship leader, if you will, for yes. uh, kids' church, you know, teen churches that would rather uh-huh. sing about car uh-huh. songs than uh, yeah, yeah. You know, old yeah, Bible yeah. stories. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't want to uh, say that that's Brian's intention, but certainly yeah. the, there's uh, that vibe that comes out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if you if you tried to, stretch this analysis into the entire career of the Beach Boys and all their twists and turns, I think there's some pretty, um, you know, there's some pretty upsetting stuff that happens in there uh, at moments in there, obviously, you know, the Charles Manson stuff and all of that, but but also it seems um, in some ways they, they represent or can be made to, to, as a way of understanding what what I would call some of the um, spiritual confusion of the last uh, fifty years. Uh, so that 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 could be that could be in there too. I I'd like to think about that more. I want to uh, if we could sort of bring the conversation up to date. I mean, wh- where do you think their music is at right now? I mean, you know, you you guys have been fans from the '60s. I've been a fan from the seventies. Uh, so uh-huh. we have a long history with it. I mean, do, do you see uh new generation sort of embracing this music? And I, I'm wondering also, you know, I, I imagine you've been to shows recently by both, uh, you know, Mike yeah. loves beach boys as, as well as Brian yeah. Wilson, his band. I'm wondering uh, your, your thoughts on those. Um, I, I, I don't know what will, what will happen uh, when Mike and Brian quit touring, period. Um, I do think that uh, I think the music is out there now in a way that at a certain point in time I kind of thought it had, it was going to be forgotten and I would be, you know, this guy that likes some obscure uh, music that was no longer in fashion. I don't think that's the case. I, I do think... Um, uh, I do think there's a way that um, both the uh, the vocal um, dexterity and brilliance and all of that is is going to become a permanent um, thing in 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 composers and producers' toolbox, just like. Uh, certain guitar licks and, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, um, it's inter- very interesting to me that um, uh, Questlove and um, Janelle Monet both 
both seem to be very familiar with who Brian Wilson is and what he does. So I think in some way there will definitely be that influence. I uh, I also think, you know, um, uh, ha- having, you know, driving around in a car isn't going away uh, anytime <laughs> soon. Uh, whether Whether people will continue to think about it as something they like to sing about or hear songs about or whether it will become just an annoying, you know, miserable experience of being stuck in a traffic jam uh, and all of that. I don't know, but I, but I do, but I do think, um, uh, I think their position in rock history is pretty secure at this point. Uh, where, where that will go, I'm, I, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, it's been really interesting to me that um, that Janelle Monet uses a little piece of Brian Wilson, and I think it's Matt Jardine on her uh, "Dirty Computer" song, and and it even yes. says featuring Brian Wilson. So, so you know that means it's out there. Um, uh, uh, in the world of streaming, it seems like you know anybody can come along at any time and say, you know, I. Um, the, the thing I like best is the early Beach Boys or Louis Armstrong in the 1920s or uh, disco music or the first three Ramones records or, uh, you know, uh, Grandmaster Flash or whatever. So, so uh, if things continue in that direction, there's, there's all kinds of opportunities for people to take things and... Um, turn them into something different. Um, the, the woman who just published the Why Karen Carpenter Matters, uh, if I'm, I'm going to probably misrepresent exactly what Car- Karen Tonkson thinks, but um, one of the things that's fantastic to me about that book or just from talking to Karen is uh, she grew up in the Philippines. Her family were, were uh, musicians there, and, and when she's a kid, they moved to Southern California, which is where she grew up. But uh, the Carpenters are hugely popular in the Philippines. And, uh, and so she has her own take on the Carpenters' music, both as somebody, uh, and she was named after Karen Carpenter. That's why she's, her first name is Karen, by her mother. Oh. So, uh, you know, that's the world of pop music. You just can't completely predict what, where, where something is going to jump around the globe and, and pop up somewhere else and and then have a different, uh, I mean, uh, uh, how different, I don't know, but a different context. Uh, um, so, uh, uh, you know, and, you know, being from Chicago, there was that, that period of time when suddenly everybody in uh, London seems to be listening to chess records with, from the south side of Chicago and said, wow, that's really interesting. So, that that part I think is pretty unpredictable, but I think at this point the Beach Boys' music is is um, is, is is you know established as part part of uh, what's in there. If if you're looking in, into um, in, in, into the world of pop music, yeah. Well, I mean, you you just made this point, and I mean, this is really for me the overriding point of my book is that I think it's you know, the, the people that appreciate the Beach Boys music the most are fellow musicians. 
because they yes. know how hard yes. it is to accomplish what yes. the Beach Boys accomplished and in the days before digital technology. Like these are guys doing yes. it organically, you know. Yes. Uh, yes. And so, you know, you mentioned Janelle Monet. I mean, one of the hippest artists around. Uh, if yes. you look at another one of the artists that was nominated uh, for Best Album of the Year this year at the Grammys, Casey Musgraves. And you mentioned this yes. in your book yes, as well. Yes, exactly. A great, yes. a, a great duet yes. with Brian. I guess you had Absolutely. to be there. I love it. Uh, yeah, me we could too. Talk about Taylor, we could talk about Taylor Swift. We could talk about Katy Perry. Yes. I mean, all these people, yes. you know, have talked yes. about their, their love of Beach Boys. Yes. So they're going to bring it, I think, to a new audience. And, and I just yes. want to bring a few numbers into this conversation. So... If we look at Spotify, which is you know one of the ways that that younger people get their music these days, exactly. wouldn't it be nice has one hundred and sixty five million listens on Spotify? Ah. Good Vibration has one hundred and thirty seven million listens. Oh my and, god! Uh, god only knows has eighty three million listens. Wow! Wow! So somebody That's out incredible. there who's probably under yeah. the age of uh, forty is listening to uh, to this stuff. Yes, and I have to say. Uh, just anecdotally, uh, I I noticed. Wouldn't it be nice now popping up at weddings? Uh, uh, so, and maybe that's been happening in a long time. It just happens to be the weddings that I've gone to recently. But uh, yeah, so yeah, so, yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Some of this stuff are not; th- th- those are now standard, right? Yeah, those are standard. And what? Yeah. And watch yeah. out for God Only Knows in Toy Story 4 coming out this summer. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yep. That Look at the trailer. That... Very, very prominent in the trailer. And a lot of, uh, a lot of kids are going to see that movie, and they're going to say, what's that song? I love it. Wow. Mark, wow. Mark, just a quick comment. Again, from your book, Tom, you compare the Beach Boys to Bob Dylan, top tier. Uh, Miles Davis, totally different genre, top tier. Yeah. The Beatles, maybe their own genre, top tier. And yeah. Picasso, it's like whoop. Ah. Uh, not even a, not even a musician. Can, can you? Yeah, I has got to bring us to a close here. But can you make a quick okay. comment about how Picasso? What does Picasso say about what you're saying about the Beach Boys? Well, I think um, uh, you know, on, on just on the um, how these things are absorbed in in the culture at large. The idea of Picasso is, you know. I mean, okay, he is a genius now, but let's not worry about that. But that he's this guy that paints his entire life, and he has different periods, and he doesn't just ah. go from not that good to really good. But <laughs> it's in the culture that first he did that, and at a certain point he's doing this, and then at another point he's doing that, and and people just have that idea, and it's out there as as a thing that. There's artists, and that's how they operate. And on, some of them operate on a high level. Now, there could be somebody who's just a crummy painter, and they have different periods where they paint differently. But it's established that that's something. And you wouldn't just say, well, first Picasso started doing very small paintings, and they got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, or more and more and more complex. He had different periods. And I think if you think about the Beach Boys that way, and as somebody that lived through the era of, Rubber Soul was great, then Revolver was even better, then Sgt. Pepper was even better, and then as Rolling Stone, the famous Rolling Stone editorial, what's going to come after Rolling Stone? Well, they'll have to top the Bible. Now, it's meant as a joke, but it's there's an element of each thing is going to be better than the last as opposed to just there are different periods and they don't necessarily 
go in just a progression. And, you know, I'm not a jazz guy, but to the extent that I understand Miles Davis, that's how he's appreciated. Uh, he's doing things a certain way, then he's doing another way, then he has another phase. You might like phase two better than phase three or phase four better than phase one, but he's he's experimenting at different times. And I think that's that's a good way to appreciate the Beach Boys as well, particularly like you say, where there's young people listening to Spotify or or finding some CDs or buying CDs, and they're not necessarily first purchasing uh, Surfing USA and then getting a hold of a copy of, um, you know, Holland and saying, oh, well, it's a progression. It's, there's different periods and there's different things happening in different periods. Uh, and it, uh, I, I should have also thrown in some kind of literary reference there, but I, I, <laughs> I lost my nerve, I think. <laughs> there, but, you know, there, some, some great novelist that you don't just say, well, the, the last thing they wrote was way better than the first thing they wrote. You know, somebody who's been at it their whole life or I don't know, you know, and also that's not an area I'm an expert on, but m maybe these days it would be, I don't know who, Philip Roth or I don't know. Yeah, not, yeah. not something I'm, I could uh, reach out and pull something But I, I'm glad I asked. You made an excellent point. Uh, and, and what I see, you know, those of us who have lived through it, if you experience the Beach Boys chronologically, you, you – you, uh, you almost can't get out of that uh, yes. tra trap, if you will. But yes. if you see it, for some reason, I see this, uh, uh, you know, center point, like a spokes of a wheel and each at the yes. end of each spoke is a different album. And it's where yes. did you grab onto the wheel? Uh, it'll that's link right. you to everything else, but from a totally yes. different perspective. And so this yes, is a great right. quote. Thank you for it. Yeah. I would like to ask Mark one question. Um, Good. Uh, my my parents lived from, I'm, I'm not Canadian, but I have a lot of Canadian cousins and my parents lived in Kitchener, Waterloo for about for over 20 years. So I just uh, uh, am curious if there is a distinctly Canadian take on this story or it's, it's oh, just a, a kind of a North American take. And well, maybe that's, that's a very not interesting a, question. Yeah. You know, when I... Um, when, when I approached Lyle Lovett um, to speak uh -huh. in my book, when, yeah. when I talked to him, he, he said that he was surprised that, that the request was coming from a guy in Canada. He's like, well, why huh. would a guy in Canada be interested in, like, surfing and all this kind of stuff? Oh, my God. And, and it's funny because, because I, I sort of thought, like, he's from Galveston, Texas. Like, you know, why, exactly. is, why is he so interested <laughs> in what's going on in California? Yes, yes. You know? Right. So we, we, we always think of, of the Beach Boys being attached to California. But, I mean, that's the subject matter. But the, the, the beauty of their music is universal, yes. you know. And, yeah. and you know, uh, I guess it, we have to say that, you know, a lot of Canadian culture is American culture. And a lot of yeah. American culture was created by Canadians. I mean, I could list exactly. all kinds of people that have gone sure, down to absolutely. Hollywood or L.A., yeah. you know, Neil yeah. Young, etc. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the Beach Boys have always had a strong... Uh, connection here. They've done so many shows yeah. here. I mean, we've all seen yeah, that yeah. picture. You, you probably know it from 1966 of uh, when Glenn, or 65, when Glenn Campbell was with the group. Yes. And uh, I think Dennis is on a Zamboni at Maple Leaf Gardens uh, here in Toronto. <laughs> I guess that's right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Right. And, that's and pretty I, Canadian. Uh, 
a Zamboni. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't get more Canadian than that. And and I mean, yeah. I I grew up in Montreal, and that's uh, uh-huh. that's where I became a fan. And I got an opportunity to see them at the Montreal Forum in in 1979. So I, I, I never see. felt that far removed. Although I would say yes. that that in my mind, I, I had I never went to California until I was uh, in my mid 30s. You know, and and so yeah. you can't help but have this mythological view of what yes. California must have been like in the early yes. 60s. Thank. So much in part to uh, the songs of the Beach Boys. Yes, yes. Well, I I, I tried to make the point uh, over the years in my writing that I don't. Sure, there are actual. Uh, I have a friend who was a surfer in Southern California when the Beach Boys first hit, and he went to the Dick Dale show. So it's a real thing. But I I feel surfing was a metaphor for all, for the rest of us as just a concept that you know there's this world out there with some leisure time and some things to do. And, you know, um, you can see uh, uh, Endless Summer at a movie theater in New York and you can be far from uh, an ocean and uh, have watched a beach party movie and listened to the Beach Boys. And it resonates uh, in that way and certainly resonates in, um, in, uh, in, in England and, um, and Europe with people who aren't, I mean, there are surfers, of course, over there, but uh, I I think it's a bigger a bigger representation than a specific culture. With you know, look, it's 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 very there. cold. It's very cold in Canada. We yeah. do a lot of California dreaming here. Believe me. <laughs> I want to thank uh, Tom for being our guest today. The title of his book is Why the Beach Boys Matter, and I. Say it's a must-read for fans. You can find it through University of Texas Press, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other booksellers. Thank you very much, Tom, for being with us today. It's, a, it's an honor. Uh, I love talking to you guys, and, uh, and I, I, see, I feel my, my book is um, the book that comes after uh, uh, 50 Sides of the Beach Boys, you know, that that wrapped up a certain thing, and, and I'm, I'm trying to not not repeat the stuff that's already there. Uh, so it's, it's, you're you're keeping the story you're going. Thrilled to be here. Yeah. You plowed new ground. Thrilled to be here. Ah, uh, good. Thank you. Thank Tom, you very thank much, you, and thank you to everyone for listening. <laughs>